It's the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle, back from a two-week vacation in the south of France. A red nose brought back to a grey sky. Sunny old England, it is not, but I have a great guest today. Mark Webster, who hosted Channel 5's coverage of the NBA from 2008 to 2011. Broadcaster, writer, and he voiced Dave's top 40 Only Fools and Horses moments. Second favourite hobby for me, Only Fools and Horses, watching that behind the NBA. We're going to get to Mark right now, and then we'll hit some NFL preseason topics on the back end. Enjoy Mark Webster. He's Mark Webster, former host of the NBA on Channel 5, currently broadcasting and writing for a variety of places, including TalkSport 2 and BBC 5 Live. Mark, how are you? Very well indeed, very well indeed. Looking forward to yet another go at it this season. <laughs> hey, how, how, uh, how many people confuse you with Dart's very own Mark Webster? Well, obviously, he's, he's a younger, fitter version of, of, of me than I possibly am. It, the, the crossover hasn't happened too dramatically, um, and that's because mainly because if anyone ever saw me play darts, that would be, become <laughs> patently clear as well. Do you do you like darts? I don't understand. I do understand the fascination with going to <laughs> Alexandra Palace to get drunk and watch darts on a big screen, but also I don't. I had two of the most glorious days of my life at the uh, BDO Darts Championships, <laughs> where I was the behind-the-scenes reporter, nice. uh, interviewing various different people. And the marvellous thing about the the behind-the-scenes is that it's just an enormous bar, and that's where the competitors are. <laughs> preparing and that was patently in quotes and it was it was and that's the Frimley Green one that's the kind of old-fashioned fun one it's and it it, it was it's just hilarious great fun um I've got to say though the Ali Pali one that's too big and too scary for me yeah what's not to like eh? you're warming up with pints uh I'm sure any athlete would love that um for yeah. someone who doesn't know your backstory with the NBA enlighten us it's it, it's it, it's a circuitous route in the sense where I had never been, I'd never done any sports uh, presentation. I started as a music journalist for a magazine called Blues and Soul. And uh, that's my that's my kind of forte. That's my strength. That's where I started in media, was was very much a specialist writer on the subjects of that, of that music. Um, and I'd started to then be involved in some fledgling music, like pre-MTV channels. And there was a bit of cable TV that came along. So ultimately what happened is the company that had done some cable TV work ended up running a sports channel and ended up covering um, the Houston Rockets four-way game that was played down at London Arena <laughs> so many moons ago. Um, and it was basically the boss there, Neil Duncanson's idea, to say what we should do here is get someone involved who, who looks at it from that fan perspective doesn't come in as a technical basketball man and who can kind of give us an idea of the spirit and the flavour of the sport. And, and to, if you have to be fair to him, is that, you know, this is say that's a long time ago and that idea of culture and sport being so, you know, inextricably in, intertwined is, is almost like the, a given now. And he was one of the first people to think it was the way to do it. In that situation, then, how did you get ready for, for your debut, as it were? Um, I winged it, Max. <laughs> is I mean to be honest, you know, I had little choice. I was very aware, in the way that you could be in the, in those times, of of the culture of the sport, as I say, and that was Magic Johnson's L.A. Lakers. 
Um, but you know, after that, it's Alton Burns, Crystal Palace. <laughs> you know, that, that was my live version of it. I'd seen the Globetrotters as a kid. Um, you could read about it, not on the internet, of course. You had to, you know, you had to buy U.S. papers. So I was accruing knowledge as I went along. But what I've always maintained um, is that I managed to fall in love with the sport because I'm I'm a big fan of sport, and it's a great sport. And then and then the knowledge came or then the man hours of experience came uh knowledge might be too strong a word for <laughs> it but 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 certainly um the the, the the there's a simple fact is that i fell in love with it because otherwise there's no way it, I, it would have carried on as being part of my work that would have been impossible but, i couldn't have faked that and as channel five came into view but it, it wasn't there yet how why do you think basketball slipped into the into the television realm in in the uk well, of course, the Channel 4 was where I started for those three years, and that was that was all guns blazing. That was me living out in the States for half a year, for three years in a row, and, and, and basically following the fleet, you know, trawling all over the States and, and garnering that. Ex- that's where I picked up my experience. You know, I've seen hundreds of live games of NBA, you know, uh, in situ. It's, um, so you, it, it, it sticks. Then there was the ITV years, which I wasn't asked to be involved with because they wanted to start a fresh way. Then Channel 5 came back. And Channel 5 were, again, that was a very it's a strong innovation of their part, is, is American sports. They thought, this, this is a great way. We can provide people with live action in the middle of the night. That's not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, and not everyone's necessarily going to watch it that time. And there may be a lot of people who fast-forward through my entire canon of Channel 5 work because it was all on VHS somewhere. Um, but but you, it, it, you benefited, though, right? Because League Pass didn't exist. So people needed somewhere to watch basketball. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, we were your one-stop shop. You're absolutely right. It wasn't really uh, Sky weren't particularly on it. We were we were the channel. We embraced it, and we and, and what in, in embracing it again, we were given the opportunity by Sunset Minor Production Company to to use the spaces for to do things that weren't all just basketball. And we did a lot about films and music and fashion, and 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 you know it was something that I kind of insisted upon doing because. It, it's a tried and tested formula. It's the reason we were there in the first place. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And and again, to sit there and try a sort of earnest, furrow-browed, you know, on continual analysis of, of stats and plays just didn't sit with the sport, from my point of view. And I, can I just say as well, you know, when I mentioned, you mentioned there sort of like, you know, league pass and I'm talking about VHSs. I went to an event <laughs> run by a guy called Sam Sammy, who's, who's known as the bench warmer, mm. uh, and he had a, it's an NBA, he was called the NBA 90s Jam, and it was a, an, it was a box part down in Shoreditch, and I, they weren't his, but the guy turned up, they were, every program on VHS. I remember seeing that on Twitter. Lined up on a shelf, I, I was astonished. Unbelievable. Not least of which is the fellow asked if I wanted to see myself in it, and to which I said, Do you know what, I'll, I'll pass, <laughs> I will, I, I'm good. There are some crazy men out there. Did, did, you, did you ever have people come up to you and say, you know, watching you on Channel 5 was how I found the sport? And do you think a good portion of that NBA discovery for Brits was because of that show? Yeah, I, I, I have to say, I mean, you know, I, it, I'm, it, with all humility, I have to say yes, because it still happens now. And, 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 and to the point where I'd assume that the people that were saying it to me would be a, a demographically facey staring back at me of a demographic that would have obviously increased. But do you know what? There's, I'm still, there's still, you know, people that I would consider younger, you know, 20s mm. 
who who patently were watching it at eight, nine, ten, let alone watching it at fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, or let alone watching it at twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. You know, there was it, it was. It, I think you said it. You know, as a gateway, it was it was essential. Uh, probably more so, weirdly enough, I think than than Channel 4's was because. In a, in a strange way, it, it was possible that Channel 4 were almost too early. I, I started watching it nine years ago. It was the 08 final, Celtics-Lakers, when Boston right. beat them. And I, I found your show on TV, and obviously there was no way you could watch that. I was younger then. GCSE time, Mark, and uh, staying up late to watch you guys. <laughs> I hope you did well. Hey, I didn't get a C, which is great. I keep staying at school. I think this is obviously I was obliged to say that a lot of the time <laughs> yeah. or something, yeah. Go, yeah, what was the cut-off point where you had to say, go to bed now, kids? Exactly right. So, yeah, record it, watch it when you get in. Do your own work first. I had no, I had no, I had no glib lines at all for that one. So, really, well done. But it, it was, um, I thought it was a great in. That was my, I loved that year because cause Boston won. Yeah. Uh, it was such a, and it was that, you know, it was that kind of, it was that band of vagabonds that Doc Rivers had put together. Oh, but what to, did you and your that. co-presenter, Mr. You and Mr. Aline, say when Paul Pierce was in the wheelchair? Went off the court, came, you know, he was off in a wheelchair. Five minutes later, he's back playing again. I thought it was bizarre. Well, ah, yeah, well, yes, but the, I, I think what's happened there is it was a precautionary measure, wasn't it? <laughs> Maybe. Is, isn't this one? Are these things referred to as that one there? Toying with or, the Lakers. Or, or indeed, just or, or exactly, or just throwing a bit of Hollywood back in the general direction of LA, which is not such a bad idea. Who do you support? I don't. I don't. I, and do you know why? It's because I thought hard about. Because of course, I you know I'm, I'm like you. You know, I, I jumped on board as a, you know late late on. I kind of there was the idea that the Lakers because they're the first team I'd heard of and followed. Shall I be a Lakers fan? And it didn't stick. Uh, then I thought, well, I'm living in New York, perhaps it should be the Knicks. But in practical terms, I'd have to say, given the fact that my first three years were Jordan's balls, mm. I'd struggle to get past the fact that I, that, 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 that I, that I would argue they're my favourite team rather than the team I support, if you understand what I'm saying. It's, it's, I kind of basically reserve that for, um, for a, one football team and then the rest of it is up the grabs. How long were you on air for? What, what year did you go on and off? Channel Five. Oh crikey! Yeah, well, it would. I think we're four seasons, and it started. It started with that Boston year, so I think we were probably on for certainly. I was. I was trying to flash back to that, and I got a feeling it was. It was two Lakers wins, and then the Mavericks. Yeah. So the Miami Heat lost to Dallas. Was that your last last finals? Probably. Yes, it was. Um, it was it was a good way to go. I love that team as well because that's that's the Nowitzki, mm. um, that the, the Jason Kidd, yeah. like Ty Chandler, who I who I've always uh, did brilliant that year, and that that was a fun year. It was it, you know because I, I I wasn't I don't I can't don't think I was particularly enamoured of the Lakers wins because I got a funny feeling that I whereas I, undeniably Kobe Bryant is one of the greatest players in you know that has ever played the game. There was something about that those two those two years and those two wins which were just all too much about one man, you, you, and I didn't warm to those two years quite so much. And you mentioned uh, you you wanted to bring in music. You didn't want to get too deep into you know analytics and tactics. But what? How did the dynamic work with Andre Lane and, and you know tactical? What you would say between but when the game was what being watched and when you came back to 
uh, to the segments between between timeouts. What what were you? What was your relationship like? Well, Andre was good because of course he was you know he's he's a technical man you know he he coaches the game and so he understood what he was looking for, and and from my point of view I I was. I've always been more interested in the dynamics of what we're watching, as in the, someone going on a run, someone patently taking control of a situation. In terms, you know, it, it's to watch, to, to break something down technically, we didn't do a lot of that. Not least of which is because we didn't have the facility where you could, where we'd be running tapes backwards and forwards and highlighting plays and, fo- and closing in. Fundamentally, you kind of just you replayed what you'd just seen on the big screen. You'd already just seen on the screen. Another thing. So it would be a kind of it would be more montage, mm. and we would be more about the feel of where the game was at that time. I was uh, it, again. I felt that just. I think that just sat better. Did you? Were you worried about? Did you try and dumb it down a bit? Were you worried about patronising hardcore fans? Did you know your who your audience was? No, you, well, you don't really know who your audience is, uh, but you do get feedback, and, and there was never any feedback coming back from people saying, you know, why don't you, you know, you're not treating the game with any respect. And equally, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I'm, I wasn't aware of those two extremes, which you're kind of referring to, which is, you know, the nature of any, you know, the job that we're in is that you'll always get is, you know, why are you patronising me? Why are you, why are you talking gobbledygook? Um, you know that you obviously have to be somewhere in the middle of that of that place, um, and I, I was. I mean, for me, see, this is the problem. For example, um, you know, I know, you know, I don't wish what the, be critical, but like at the time, it was a part of the decision they made. But when ITV took on uh, the NBA, it, very, it fundamentally came back having it been on Channel Four for three years. With the, with saying this is a ball, this is a basket. The ball goes in the basket, and I just thought, you know, my God, we don't need that. We're beyond that. But what you also then don't want to do is you don't want to, you, you know, you you simply don't want to be skipping over information and assuming knowledge. Mm. Well, we've seen a small change. We go to the NFL with the BBC, Mark Chapman, OCU Manura, Jason Bell. Their coverage, I think, it's evolved it slightly. Where you, I mean, BBC have gone with a traditional match of the day presenter. Yeah, but they brought in two guys who really work well together. They've got a lot of charisma. OC's becoming a very good television presenter. Um, it, has it done as well, I'm talking about US sports in the UK now on television, has it done as well as it, as it should have or as you expected? I think, this, I, 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 I think the problem is, is it's too broad a church to talk of it as a, as a, as a genre. It's because the NFL is all, is all singing, all dancing, all dominating. Um, it, it, it's out there pretty much on its own. Um, because it is a BBC asset, you know, it, it's and it's something that everyone understands. And 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 there it is at Wembley, filling it up every you know every year, and 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 then more times every year. And it's and it's on the calendar, and it's and and it had a head start. It was it, it was here before any of the other sports were as well. So it's you know it's it's almost on its own. I th- I under, and then I think basketball has has made itself a very clear second. Mm. I'm just um, I'm just surprised a bit about their. I mean, no, it's a global game, but there's still only one game in London every year, which is great. You shouldn't take it for granted, but they seem to dump the game here and then fly home again. And we don't. The NFL is really invested, I think. And I, I just I'm just f- uh, f- curious about what you think about. Is the NBA going to make a return to to television, or is it all going to be you know league pass and 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 mobile apps? 
Well, I mean, I, I am uh, an enormous fan, and I've I've built my lifestyle around the fact that BT BT Sport provide me with two, sometimes three games a week, and American coverage with it. Um, it for me, I am I'm a, I am absolutely in clover. Um, whether the, you and from my point of view, if, if let me put it this way, if I had to. If my options were three live games a week, including American coverage and indeed the NBA magazine programs that go with it, or um, perhaps one live game a week and perhaps an hour show with some highlights in that was recorded here, I would, in all honesty, take the BT version of that over a terrestrial version. It, 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 it suits my appetite better. And I, and from my point of view, I'm, I'm comfortable with that because I'll, I'll follow, I'll follow all the information. I'll read what I want to read every day, on websites, and I will, and, and then I'll watch whole live games. So you, you don't need a voice, a, a UK voice talking to you. There's no, you don't need that connection. You already think you get enough, and, I'm, and there is obviously a ton that you can read now. But I'm just wondering whether some NBA fans, especially growing up, would would like to see a show that's a little bit more British. It's a very good point because, of course. Do you, do you know who the least useful person to ask in this country that question would be me, given the <laughs> fact that that was actually my gig? Yeah, so, but that, that's why so you're, you're a good person to ask as well. well I, I'm a good, <laughs> yeah, from, so from that point of view, on a, on a completely selfish level, no, mm. I don't need it. As On a professional level, as if I was to take a step back, I would say it would be wonderful if there was somewhere in the schedule where a smart program that covered... Covered basketball with good people, and perhaps even had enough budget where those people were, where there was at least some work which was done out in the states, and we could, and you go and find those lovely little nuanced stories that fit in and around the game, would be a great thing. I see, see for me again, that's that's a, a massive part of it for me is that it, it, because it goes back to the very reason I was involved in the first place is that what what I want is I want to see basketball in situ i want to understand the game as as part of the the american experience and to do that you need to see what's going on outside the arenas as, as much as what's going on inside so six or seven years has passed now since um the channel five coverage in your eyes how much has the league changed i would say the the league the league has changed dramatically because it's become thoroughly international and I've never seen so much recruitment from outside of uh, of America, obviously, uh, and leading players. I've never you haven't seen so many guys turn up, at, you know, who are perhaps even who have never played in the NBA and are thirty years old. That they'll come in and and they can hold their own. And also, what I think is, I've seen happen a lot is you've seen you've seen um, American players go out of the game, even at the D League. But certainly going going playing abroad, um, and and their careers, their potential as an NBA player has not necessarily been compromised. Then mm. that certainly wasn't the case, you know, ten years ago. If you if you chose to take some money in China or Greece, then thank you very much for all your good work and goodbye. Would tend to be the way it went. I think... Now you could now the scouting the network is international. It's global and. And as a result, you're seeing, you're, you know, they want to call, they call themselves the global game. I went out to, um, I went to Barcelona 
uh, when uh, th- th- when they uh, they took a team down there, they took uh, it was OKC, wasn't it? I think yeah. yeah Oklahoma went down there uh, for for that particular game, um, and that was just one of many. And it's but it absolutely fitted, you know, to watch a game in you know in in Barcelona makes absolute perfect sense. It's a basketball town. It's crazy as well how how much players are driving the league these days. I mean, I, I grew up a big Laker fan, and, and obviously we know Kobe Bryant was one of the big names. But now you've got so many, Steph Curry, James Harden, Kevin Durant. People love the individuals and they love that, that Curry story because he came from nowhere. He's a, he's a small guy. But I think it's not, it's not a league driven on teams anymore. Like the Lakers were a big property and now they're not. They're one of the worst teams in the league. There's yeah. more parity. I say that with a Golden State Warriors juggernaut, but there is more parity and there, there are superstars and I think that's what drives the league nowadays. I mean, in theory, the only reason it exists is that you know that is its that is its entire raison d'etre is the fact that it's meant to. It's but every American sport is meant to is meant to not create dynasties, and every American sport has singularly failed to do that over the years. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I think at, at the moment the stre- the strength is is that you're looking for some more surprise packages. I I certainly am. I mean, at the moment that it's a kind of shuffling of the pack, and there are. There's there's a there's a huddle of men that can improve your team enough. Kevin Durant's move last year for me, although strike it's a lot of noise and negativity about it, which I never understood personally. I I don't, I don't get that at all. The fact that that he's that, you know he's a professional basketball player and he had an opportunity to be a professional basketball player at a team where he was likely to get the championship he'd never got. I, I, I'm failed to see the downside of that. It's like, it's like the stick to sports mantra. If you say, if, if a, a normal working bloke says stick to sports, if a sportsman's talking about politics, if a sports journalist talking about politics, well, you could say that about anything. You could say to an electrician, stick to electrician, you know, <laughs> well, no, I like sports too. So there's that element. But Kevin Durant, you know, he, he just improved his life. Went to the West Coast, the Bay Area, everything that comes along with that. Um, I was also interested, Mark, the, the toughest sport you've covered, because you've, you've covered quite a lot. What's the most challenging sport to cover on TV or radio? Oh, well, strangely enough, because it is so dynamic live, so the contrast um, is there to be seen, or arguably not, is, uh, is NHL, is ice hockey. And when did you do that? that? I did that for a couple of years at Channel 5 as well. I can't it, see the puck. I don't know how you Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. There lies the rub. <laughs> because to a great extent, I, I found that the only way I could deal with it is to kind of go with it and let my imagination take over and assume where the puck was. <laughs> it, it, it does strike me as being one of, of extraordinary limiting if you can't see the entire point of the game. It does. It is, <laughs> there is a real issue there with that, and so that is a that's a tough sport to cover. So were you in the arena? No, it was again. That was a that was the Channel Five studio. Right. But, um, I had been to, but this is why I mention this because you go to a live hockey game and man alive, that is a different world. That's about as exciting as you're going to get uh, an inside sport, and you know, and and, and I you know put it right up there with basketball as something which is just unbelievably thrilling. In the flesh. I've heard it's the best live sport. I've never been to That's, a hockey it, game. I, it, I, you know, I, I'd struggle to argue against it. Um, and I would also say that it is... In, and, uh, and I think hockey, 
Ice hockey will be watched by people who love ice hockey, but it's a tough sell to get people who don't know it to, to get them to love it. I would I would have to argue. <laughs> they still fight as well. Can, can you can you explain? No, I, Do you no, understand no, that? No, no, I can't. I have but no... <laughs> I don't know what happened in the first place, and I don't know why it still happens now. We should work that one out, really. Official enforcers. It is a, it, I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's a, it is an anomaly, um, and, and it's a throwback to a to a prehistoric age. But again, I think I think that's because hockey has kind of got that. It's a ring fence sport, and it's you know, it's it's a world of its own. It's a culture of its own. But want to you know, for a, to use that word again, and. And what all you would have is people who love hockey saying, "Shut up and leave us alone." <laughs> okay, so how do you how do you how do you approach that then? If you, are you trying to not make yourself look stupid by broadcasting hockey, or are you genuinely trying to you you do believe that this is going to go on for a long time because hockey's kind of died in this country? I, in terms of working on it, um, I, I was quite comfortable saying to. Um, my right hand man, tell me what you want me to ask you. <laughs> okay. I have no, no I, have got, I have no qualms in saying that, except by the same token, it's not like I sat there completely dumbfounded. It's funny enough, it's a very easy sport to follow in the sense where its shape and its dynamic is like football. You know, it's in thirds. There's defenders, there's midfielders, and there's attackers. And and once you kind of get into the swing of that, you know what you're watching, and you know if you're watching a good one and a bad one. Um, but in terms of, but then, but once you get, once I, you know, I wasn't scraping butts below that surface. I've got to be, have to be brutally honest with you. I've been to Somerset House before Christmas Day. I can't. I can barely skate. I I do not know how they do it. No, I, it's it. No, it's 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 against uh, it's against all science and faith that uh, that exists since the world began. Is standing up on a razor blade. It's the stupidest idea that anyone ever had. And then they give them massive sticks to whack each other with. It's, uh, <laughs> it's. But as I say, this is the beauty of it. You'd have to argue. It's uh, it, it, sport is nonsensical anyway. So you know, the, 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 there's no point in trying to rationalise it. You know, it exists simply because of what it is. Who was your favourite American athlete growing up? Grow, oh, well, growing up, I, I, very, very simply, my, uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, and then I, I, have, I have three sporting heroes, uh, uh, you know, of that magnitude, and they are Bobby Moore, Muhammad Ali, and Michael Jordan. Mm. And uh, you know, and, and there's and there's there'll be some that will that will sort of like start nudging in their general direction at some point there. But you know, I just hold those men in the in in the greatest of esteem, and uh, and the fact that and that's because. Not so much Bobby Moore. That's that's simple. That's you know he just caught me at the right time. You know birth and then and then <laughs> onwards. But but you, but in terms of Ali and Jordan, you're talking about two men who simply transcended sport, became the most famous men on the planet. And 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 there has to be a good reason for that to have happened. And do you think and that there are many good reasons? To be honest with you, not just one. That's the point about them. I think as men, a lot of younger athletes now as well, particularly since Ali passed away, um, young black athletes particularly. They speak out a lot more about, you know, social injustice now. Do you think that Ali's death has had a, an effect where you look at a situation like Colin Kaepernick, he's, he's building momentum, you know, he hasn't got a job in the NFL right now, but there's so many people making protests at anthems and there's a lot going on in yes. that respect. Do you think Ali's death had a, had a quick impulse on someone like Kaepernick to say, right, I'm going to do something about, about this too? Ali 
trans- because he did transcend everything in that on that level. I think he did. I, I, I think you tend to need pioneers. You need to, you tend to need someone to knock down the door um, in life to you know so that others can go through it. And 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 patently that is exactly what Muhammad Ali did. Michael Jordan wasn't that same kind of character. He was he was he was important and and special, but probably for you know for a different set of reasons. Captain, you know, taking the knee was I thought was one of the most wonderful things I've seen, you know, uh, you know, in years. And, and and there's a gesture to be made in you know in the sporting arena was an amazing thing. And and he's a young fella that I think will at some point come back and be, and be stronger and humble a lot of people as a result. Um, and I hope it's sooner rather than later. Uh, but there's but. But, but he's but he, in taking that stand, he's going to have he, he, you know he's taking a stand and he's and he's sticking by it and and he, I, I've got nothing but admiration for him. Something just popped into my mind as well. Obviously, all these athletes we're talking about OJ Simpson. I'm just intrigued how how did you consume all the noise about that? Because he uh, is he coming out soon again? I think he's or is he out already? I think he's due. Or, or he's, I think I think there's is there not a date been? I think. To be honest with you, Max, if he was out, I think we'd have noticed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I think the point is, is that you're right. He is being. Uh, I think he's 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 eligible for early release. I believe mm. he's a um, model. A model. Uh, been a model prisoner. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's again because of the, then, of course, he went to prison not for um, <laughs> not for the incidents that he is famous or infamous for. What was it like on on TV? I always ask my parents about that. Well, at the time. It was. It was. It, I mean, I, I. I was. I watched the trial. You, we got a lot of the trial, and the problem with it was for me is that it was. It, it was exactly what you'd expect to see in that city. Was a was performance, and and I didn't see. I, I, I didn't see anything that was that resembled an attempt to create justice or find the truth. I just saw a lot of jumping through hoops. And face pulling to try and win the day, and it was it, I, I, it's a painful experience, and one that I don't think that they particularly learned from. Uh, you, good point, because I was going to say with the, Johnny Cochran, the, the genius to you know turn it against what actually happened. He knew that OJ had murdered two people, but what he did was turn it against the police, the department, the racism going on there. And you see now with uh, in the NFL, you've got Ezekiel Elliott, this domestic violence case. The, the defendants are going to start saying, they're going to start turning it against the victim and saying that, you know, she did this, she did that, blackmailing her. And I don't think we have learned from the result of, of what happened. There's a, and there's a Mike Tyson incident in, you know, there's Mike Tyson's life or on the middle third of it, which also is writ large in this way as well. And, um, but of course, the problem is you're talking about a system which, which entitles people to only play by one set of rules, i.e. I don't have to worry about your guilt or innocence. All I've got to do is do my job properly. Which is, a, which is a, it's, it's, when you see it in this context, it becomes an extraordinary abstract concept, that. <laughs> because you kind of think that we'd all there want to find out the truth and, and deal with it accordingly, wouldn't you? But no, it doesn't. It's actually, um, and I don't wish to sort of like, you know, sound glib, but it's a game. Mm. It's a sport. It's two teams trying to win. Arguably with the same set of rules in the middle, but, you know, everyone bends the rules. (laughs) 
Well, talking about bending the rules, back to the NBA quickly. Um, you wanted to talk about Phil Jackson and the Knicks. Uh, a lot's gone on there in terms of the front office. Carmelo Anthony, will he or will he not be uh, going to Houston? That's I think him and Kyrie Irving, those are the two final topics of the summer. But yeah. the, the Knicks, Jackson's out the door. And, uh, you know, what, what do you want to say about that? Well, simply that it was, do you know what, a, a bridge too far. And, and in, in, in the, uh, there, it's been years, nudging decades now, in, perhaps in the two decades, where the Knicks have been nothing but a horrible mess. And, it's, and to the point where if Phil Jackson can't fix it, what's going on? One would have to argue. And, and it, I, you know, it's, it, it just strikes me as sad that, you know what this is? It's Usain Bolt pulling up with a hamstring. At the end of his career, is <laughs> Phil Jackson, you know, in in you know, in the upstairs office at New York, and finding that the old magic just didn't couldn't work again. Whether it's because it wasn't magic anymore, or whether he was beaten by a ball club that is, that simply is, uh, you know, is in is in continual decline. Uh, I don't know. Main and, point being that he wasn't coaching. I, it was it it was interesting thinking about it earlier when you said you know Jackson. I thought about that 08 finals when you were on Channel 5 and yeah. how much of a legend he was. And then to to take an offer he could not refuse and maybe he didn't care about the, the job, he just took the money. But there was a complete drop-off in terms of his effect. Well, of course, it, it is a strange situation is that he assembles the personnel and he assembles the personnel in his own image, doesn't he? But that doesn't necessarily then go downstairs. And, and as you say, it, it, it's a bit... It, it, it's it's a bit like the situation that you that has, that has been in Miami, where there's that sense that you know that, that there's the looming presence of a, a, a you know a, a multi NBA winning coach sat upstairs looking yeah, at Pat you Riley. through the looking at you through the glass saying, well you know I could do this better than you don't you, <laughs> and that and, and so perhaps sometimes that doesn't work. And then in the middle of all that is there's the the yearly Willie won't he we've got to keep him he's a genius. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony is one of my is, is one of my favourite disappointments. If you'll uh, pardon the contradiction in terms, <laughs> in that he never fails to let me down. I think he's he's, he's Dwight Howard esque mm. in in being a man of immense talent who simply, when it matters, just doesn't do it. I like the comparison, Dwight Dwight Howard. It, it's it's all coming back to those finals you covered because the Magic Lakers. Dwight Howard was an absolute beast, and I, he was his shoulders were as big as his talent and you, yes. you knew that he was going to go on and now he's you know Hawks and, and he wasn't good in Houston it wasn't good in LA no doesn't seem to care no it's it's uh, it's it's a it's no big deal for them uh, I, I suspect you know these uh, I, I, just, I think because you'd notice the, the, the really great players it would be a big deal because they're hungry to win all the time the great players you know are desperate and by any means necessary Whereas, I've got a funny thing, you, look at, you, you watch Dwight Howard's face, you, you look at Carmelo Anthony's shoulders, and you're looking at a man and going like, oh, well, you know, but do you blame, got paid. Do you blame Melo or Jackson more for at least the last two years? I would imagine, I, 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 I blame, I, I, I'll tell you what, it's, I'd, I'd have to separate the conversation because I blame Melo on the call, because how could you not have a man like that want to put the team on his shoulders, which the greatest player in the game does every season of his career. In LeBron James, 
That's exactly what that man has done. Uh, you know, every ball club he's ever been at, in every, any situation he's been in, he's endeavoured to try and be the fella who does that bit. And, and you, you know that's the case because it hasn't always worked. Because, it, you know, but he's, but he's pretty much always done his thing. And, and I don't believe that Anthony has at all done that for the Knicks. And, and I know there's massive fans of his who completely and utterly and vehemently disagree with me there. And equally, as I say, I, I think Phil Jackson's probably sat up there and said, like, right, I've done exactly what I thought would work, and I don't know why it isn't. And the only way I could think to fix it is to try and do it myself, but I can't do that. This has basically been a stupid idea. So, I, you know, so at that end, you've got that, you've got that kind of... There's, it's, it's, a, it's a interesting kind of bookends to this season for me. Is that that's probably the end of Phil Jackson, you know, the greatest coach the game's ever seen, the greatest team that the game has ever seen. And then you've got a new world in which... Um, Lonzo Ball comes in already with his own footwear brand in position. <laughs> what would you What would you ask Lavar Ball? What would What would the What would the questions be for Lavar Ball? First of all, are you worried that your son will struggle as a human being <laughs> if and when this doesn't work anymore? <laughs> and I, I mean that. Yeah. Have, have you bred a have, have you brought up a robot? Because. You know, I you look at look at Tiger Woods. You know, I, you know I, that that man's entire life has unravelled because he he couldn't hit a golf ball particularly well anymore. Mm. Now, how 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 sad and tragic is that? Is that that's the only thing you've got in your life? I've got nothing. You know, Lavar Le, Le, Ball and his and his family, um, if they're all happy and they remain happy, then it's been a wonderful success story. But, you know, I'll go back to exactly where we started. Joe Jackson in Gary, Indiana, bringing up Tito, Marlon, Jermaine, Randy and Michael Mm. in a household where five young men were drilled into becoming the biggest stars in the world, of which one of them did, and whose life, was uh, absolutely stunk from the from that moment forth. I think I worry more for the the other, t- especially there's you know they're all apparently tra- fast tracked to UCLA. Lonzo Ball's got a lot of talent. We saw that in summer league. He's been drafted by the Lakers. He's doing well, and his dad has no doubt created this brand awareness. He he in that respect he's done a great job. But if the other yeah. two see an older brother who's playing in the NBA, they don't make it. There's no guarantee. And he's already putting out demands for these this billion dollar shoe deal. How can someone have that kind of just attitude to be able to say, "Look, I want this money. I want it now. This is what my son's going to do. That this is what he's going to achieve." Have you seen anything like this before? No, but, but no, but not not specifically. But we've seen. Well, Michael Jordan wore his wrong color Jordans and took the fine. Uh, week in, week out, when he when the when, when he first wore. It would have been the red and blacks, wouldn't it? So I think he wore the Bulls-coloured um, Air Jordans, and I think he's fined ten thousand dollars a game for wearing them. But how much did that matter? Nothing. Didn't matter a thing. From the moment that the Air Jordans walked onto the court, the whole game changed in terms of the extracurricular stuff. And I, you're right. There's no. There's absolutely nothing fundamentally wrong. With, you know, with, with a dad, and he's trying to, you know, trying to do the best for his sons by any means necessary. And and again, we're back to a world in which fashion and sport are inextricably intertwined here. 
you know, Jay Z just bought three pairs of his shoes, isn't he? Which is suddenly, which is which is headline making news. Mm. Um, all I worry about is the fact that there's a young man out there, and possibly two other young men, who are simply not have not been built for life. They've been built to be superstars in a sport. And I just hope that they're also prepared to not be successful. I just don't know what his dad, who he thinks he is. He he pulled his his team off his um was it AAU team off the court because he didn't agree with the referee's decision. He just pulled them off the court. Yeah, well he's a, he's he, he could be trouble. <laughs> I mean, he he's certainly a singular individual, and he certainly thinks that you know he's he's single-minded. Um, he, he believes that he's doing the right thing. You know, he effectively self-taught them, uh, taught the boys, isn't he? I mean, they are they they're, they're practiced at home. So my old, my good old friend Scoop Jackson did a brilliant little short documentary with them at the at the family house, which you can see on uh, via ESPN online. And um, and 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 it's all and he Scoop's a clever man. He kind of just lets them just, you know talk out loud about what they're what they're all about, and what they're all about is the master plan. Do you think but people the buy the shoe? Never a plan B. There's never a plan B with a master plan, of course. Never a plan B. Do you, do you yeah. think people will buy that shoe? Oh well, I would have thought so. I mean, it's going here will be interesting, won't it? Because um, I, I was, I was Under Armour's an interesting one. I mean, that's Steph Curry, isn't it? And and I, I, I don't, in fact, I don't know if that's translated particularly well outside of the US. I don't. Think... No, it's reportedly lost lost money. The last year, the the shoe sales actually went down. I don't know yeah. whether the, the Curry Twos look like. Uh, Something your grandma would wear for, for tennis. <laughs> well, <laughs> a pair of pair of flippers is it? I mean, there is a massive problem there. Is it, it, there's no it's no given in these matters. This is the problem. Is that you know there's an assumption that that, that there's guaranteed success simply because he'd written down a twenty point plan and so far we're eight out of twenty and everything's going fine. That doesn't mean that's the, exactly how it goes from here on in. Mm. There are no guarantees on that on that particular level. And you know, and as you say, I mean, you know. Uh, Nike stayed. Well, look at Nike. You know, Nike are still in the game and a crucial part of it. But Nike don't do golf no more mm. because that didn't work. Oh, Jordan Spieth flying the flag for Under Armour. Yeah, that. Well, it, 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 that lacks that showbiz glamour for me a little bit. Well, I suppose you know he's, he's a young fella, but you know, the problem is I can't go anywhere near Under Armour. Not don't suit me. Why is that? Why is that? Too, is it too tight? Is it the, the I believe I believe, I believe the fact that it actually is effectively your skin once it goes <laughs> on. It's probably just a little bit too much for the likes of me. Mark, yeah. you're being modest. You're being modest. Oh, 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 unnecessarily so. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, what I really wanted you on for, and I don't know how I didn't realise this because I am the biggest Only Fools and Horses fan out there. You voiced the top forty. Only Falls and Horses moments on Dave. And I've watched that program a good four or five times. How did you get what must be the greatest gig on television? Uh, and uh, I'll tell you something else that I did. Is that <laughs> I wrote... I wrote a script mm. for uh, that particular program um, that was... Because uh, there was no interest from, from the governor himself... John Sullivan. From John Sullivan to want to get involved. And I got to write words for Boise and Marlene. And I, I got to write scenes for them. I could not believe my luck. What scenes did you write? That's incredible. Pers- little person. They were basically like the links for the program. Right. So that was my immediate involvement. 
and um, and it got to the kind of 11th hour, and possibly to the point where John Sullivan got to see it and said, actually, you know what, I think I will do this. And it might, uh, and I like to think it's because mine was so good that he couldn't <laughs> let it happen, or it was so bad that he couldn't let it happen. <laughs> but because I was on hand, and I don't know if you noticed, Max, you being a massive fan and you know, having heard me speak before, but I was putting a bit of a Cockney accent on for it as well. You were indeed. It wasn't my own voice. I was acting. You were, you're not a Cockney. You can acting. confirm that, can you? I, I'm, no, I'm a proper London. I was born in Essex. <laughs> um, no, it's, no that, I, 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 did, I did layer it on a bit thick. That was a, del- a very good Del Boy impression. It, right? it, felt like it, was, it felt like it was required. So... Uh, so I, so I turned to a bit of thespianism just for the for the occasion. Although um, I appreciate the fact that you know it's because most people thought it was just me talking. <laughs> <laughs> but you, so you got that through your association with with John. Funny enough, well, it's funny enough, the same company that I did the basketball for made that program. That's where it, that is exactly that is a relationship that I've had for many years. They were Chrysalis Sports, uh, now called North One Television, and they're enormous in. As, as, as a production company that makes sporting programs, but they also do those a lot of those brilliant top ten list programs and stuff like that. That's and quite a just, combination. Uh, yeah, it is. And it, uh, well, there you go. You see, this is it. You know that you, you go back. That's a company where um, you know they're equally as interested in you know it matches like I am. You know, it's, it's film and comedy and music are as, uh, you know a massive part of my life. And, and uh, but sport is as well for them. They did Formula One for many years. You know, it's and. And I think again, you know, in a sort of, in a sort of trying to tie up all the ends, that's for me is kind of how bad a career is because not one thing is particularly dominant over the other. I don't, I, you know, my every waking moment isn't one area of it. It's, 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 you know, I get on with my life and everything fits in, and I, th- and I think that's, and that's, that's how most people are. So I kind of try. So in being that, I suppose I'm somewhat reflective of how most people are. And then the number one moment in that was um, Yuppie Love Dell falling through the bar. Did you agree with the all day long? It's the, it's all day still, long. Still the funniest. And you know why? It's because he doesn't break his fall. Yeah, it's amazing. When he goes, he goes. It, it, it's it's like it's like the arm on a windmill. <laughs> He's completely stiff. He he goes through the full ninety degrees and does not doesn't collapse into it. But he it, came up with wine perfect. still in his glass. He, he still had the glass exactly, and, and never let the glass go. He's had, the arm stayed in the same position. Roger Lloyd Pack at that moment as well. He had no idea, did he? You, you could not. <laughs> but but as, but but you, it absolutely needed the straightest straight face straight man doing the straight man's job at that moment. And he absolutely nailed it. And this is your this is your wheelhouse. You 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 write a TV review column, right? I, I do that as well. Yeah, funny enough, I've, I've written about. I, I, I write a lot more about the uh, sports stuff on there as well. Mm. But I also do. Um, but I've, I've I've worked in comedy writing as well for television, and I've worked on. My God, I worked in the same. I worked on a, the possibly one of my most interesting days of work ever was. Never mind the Buzzcocks alongside my sort of regulation partner, Kevin Day, mm. on Noel Fielding's team for, with Jedward. Oh. <laughs> yes. Wow, what a combo. Those that two, was, fashion, if we're talking about NBA fashion, those two, those haircuts. That was, that, that was a special, that was, that was a, a, a day that I'll never forget. 
it was it was it was very strange. No, no Fielding. It's ironic that he's ended up on Bake Off because <laughs> we were in a room where they kept all the food, and and Jeb would be doing what Jeb would do, and Noel Fielding didn't quite know what to do with himself, and he kind of wandered around and he started to eat a piece of cake. And he and he basically and he kind of said to himself, "What am I doing? I, I don't even like this." It's because he didn't know what else to do with himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just, uh, did you did did you watch Mighty Boosh? Yes. Uh, so did he did he enlighten you on how they came up with such bizarre scripts? Was it? No, I, no, no. But having, but, but having met him a couple of times, I know how they came up. With <laughs> <laughs> Mostly drugs, I think. Yeah. Because again, he woke up in the morning and thought of things. <laughs> That's pretty much the answer to your question. <laughs> of course, after a heavy night. Yes. <laughs> um, a couple more for you, and I'll let you go. Um, just going back, circling back to US coverage here. Do you do you think UK stations are, are comfortable? yet with American sports coverage? Outside, UK stations comfortable, did you say? Sorry. Yeah, with covering American sports. I, I, I mean, they are, because, well, again, it's, like, you know, it's, it's back to the point that we made about the NFL. I think, you know, I think Mark Chapman sits perfectly well in that job. And that Coombs does, you know, is, you know, is, is, you know absolutely custom-built for that job. And... Um, and Bernard Kay is really, you know, perfectly comfortable doing that job. We've got people who, for whom it's, it, it's, it, it's absolutely, you know, the, the, the ideal gig for them, and and it works really well. And and I think this, we've got enough, we've done enough man hours now. There's plenty of experience for that to work. But again, that's probably stronger as an NFL argument than it is for anything else. Certainly, basketball. If basketball came back onto terrestrial television, it could do so with a crack team of people on the production, if you assembled everybody from this country. Mm. <laughs> it, it, could ease, it could, from top to bottom, you could make a stellar five-star NBA show that didn't look like it was being made by people who had seen the basketball for the first time two weeks ago. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. Wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. Um, five, last one. What's, what's your uh, greatest sports movie of all time? Oh, you never told me you were going to ask me that one, did you? <laughs> I am a big fan of a film called Paper Tiger. Okay, I've not heard of that. Which is uh, Alan Alder, who is a writer, a sports writer, who gets the job of being able to go and try out as a professional sportsman. And he's playing American football, I think, off the top of my head, for Detroit. But look for Paper Tiger and Alan Alder in that film. And I read, and, and uh, to be honest with you, if you ask me again in five minutes, I'd think of something else. <laughs> and then ten minutes later, something else. But the reason that's always appealed to me is because it's that world, it's, 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 a, it's a journalist. And us, and us journalists, basically, we're all talk and no delivery. <laughs> you know, you know, we're the classic. Those who can do, those who can't. If they can't teach, then they write stuff. <laughs> and that and that is me. I'm no poacher turned gamekeeper. I'm an appalling sportsman on every single level. Really, but I love it to death. I'm going to look up Paper Tiger, and I think you should purchase some Under Armour because. I think if we've come out of anything on this podcast, it's that we need a picture of you in Under Armour. Yeah, well, and, and 
perhaps you even need a picture of before and a picture <laughs> after. We won't tell the difference. The Under Armour goes, you'll never be able to tell the difference, exactly. <laughs> wow, explicit stuff. Um, Mark, thank you for your time, um, and I hope that we can make a return to... Uh, not we, but you can make a, t- a return to terrestrial coverage of the NBA. It'll be, it'll be good to see. That'd be a dream team moment, absolutely. Mark Webster, everybody, Under Armour. Can we please push for the picture? It's Mark Webster on Twitter. Tweet him, demand that he sends the US Sports Podcast a picture of him in Under Armour. I do not want to see the before version, though. So please, Mark, keep that to yourself. Um, just some NFL preseason topics. And if you've got any questions for Mark or me, the podcast, I'm at Max underscore Whittle on Twitter. Roger Goodell's got himself an extension, um, 2024. That's apparently when the next eclipse is going to happen as well. That's spooky, isn't it? Goodell's going to get this extension. And I'm sure that there were two owners, probably two owners only, weren't pushing for this and the two most powerful owners Robert Kraft and Jerry Jones the fee won't be disclosed Um, the NFL revoked their non-profit status so they don't have to disclose and we always talk about Roger Goodell's fee right 40 million dollars or so a year he makes Um, but going back to Kraft and Jerry Jones two of the most influential owners and Goodell went after the star of both Ezekiel Elliott of course and Tom Brady and Deflategate other owners have his back because of what he's done to the Cowboys and the Patriots recently. Um, so we're going to see Goodell for a, a, a little bit longer yet. An NFL preseason. Bears fans are so funny. Saturday night, there's a game. The fans have to wait until the second half for Mitch Trubisky to come in. You didn't even want him drafted. You did not even want him on your team. And when he was picked... There are a lot of boos. There are a lot of unhappy people. Now we're going mad for Mitch Trubisky. We've, we overreact to preseason, but there's a question of whether there should even be a preseason. And I'll get to that in a second. But the quarterbacks, it feels like preseason is, is about the quarterbacks, players on the fringe, on the bubble, um, and quarterbacks. The Texans, Deshaun Watson or Tom Savage. You know, do we go? I think Savage will be the starter there. The Browns. Remember when Brock Osweiler was a salary dump and now we're talking about him as potentially the Browns starter. But can a Browns fan get excited about this when they see Deshaun Kaiser waiting in the wings? Fans always want the new era. They always want the young star. The guy they don't necessarily know too much about but hasn't failed yet. Brock Osweiler, the project in Houston, did not go well. What do the Jags do with Blake Bortles? He would never be Tom Coughlin's quarterback. Who would you bring in? Coughlin is not hanging around for, for the long haul. It's like Jerry West with the Clippers. Chad Henney or Blake Bortles. They don't know who their quarterback will be. Bortles has lost all confidence. The season he had 35 touchdowns. I think he had 18 interceptions. Do you look at Kansas City if you're Jacksonville? Because I've got another rookie quarterback there, Patrick Mahomes, who might start in a year from now. Alex Smith is, a, is an assured quarterback. He won't make mistakes, but that's why he fits with the Jags. I'm just putting it out there because if the Chiefs decide that Mahomes is definitely going to be their quarterback in a year's time, it looks like he can open up the system more than Smith. Most quarterbacks can. If you watch the body language of Mahomes, he doesn't look over his head in the NFL, which is why if I'm the Jags and, and if I'm the Chiefs and I, and I realize this, maybe it's a fit for Jacksonville because some people think with the talent they have, some of the skill positions they have, the defense in the AFC South, if they have a competent quarterback, 
and it's clear that Blake Bortles has lost all confidence, Alex Smith could be the perfect guy. And that's another, that's another youngster, Mahomes, in the NFL that's making noise in the preseason, athletic, sharp arm, all the usual words you hear uh, about quarterbacks in the preseason. Who likes the Giants, by the way? You had the Beckham injury a couple of days ago, but him, Brandon Marshall, you've got a strong defense there. Okay, there's no running back, but there's lots of weapons. The Patriots got better. How many Super Bowl winners get better? The question I have for you guys out there, if you've got any thoughts on this, tweet me at Max underscore Whittle. Does Tom Brady retire after next season? Because most people don't think so. Not many are thinking that, but I think Giselle had method to her comments on concussions in the offseason. They have a family together. She's thinking about 10 years from now. They're a successful couple. Brady has had great offensive lines and he gets the ball out quickly. I understand that. But we should assume he's taken concussions every single season he's played in the league. We, should, we just should because of the way football is played. He has the same agent as Jimmy Garoppolo. Why would Jimmy G be the ultimate teammate if he didn't know what Tom was doing? Because he says everything right. I know he's in the Pat system, but he could have gone to another team. There's an argument to suggest that you'd rather be a backup in New England with Belichick, with Brady, than... And winning Super Bowl rings and going to Cleveland, for instance, and and having that curse fall upon you. But I think he knows something else. They share the same agent, Brady and Garoppolo. I think he knows something. That's why I'm leaving it open that Brady might retire after next season, especially if he wins his sixth ring and obviously ties Michael Jordan uh, for number six. But on the preseason, do we need it? College football doesn't doesn't have it. NFL they charge the they charge ridiculously high ticket prices. Can you do something for your fans, first of all? If you're going to keep four preseason games, which is unnecessary, can you do something for the fans for once? Can you reward fans that can't necessarily ever come to a game? They can't afford to come to a game. And you just bring the prices right down. I think the NFL should do controlled scrimmages, maybe one preseason game. It feels like it's just for the quarterbacks, like I said, and players on the bubble. What do you really get out of preseason as a player? There's injuries... I just don't understand it. If you've got controlled, shared practices and games that teams do not often nowadays, you don't need the preseason. And don't talk about adding games to the regular season because that would go against everything the league has said about player safety, health and safety recently. I saw this about some coaches as well, like Pete Carroll in Seattle working on the rugby tackle and and the element of tackling, you know, under the knees, wrapping up, getting the head outside of the legs, not charging with the helmet. There's different helmets coming in. This is a new wave. And I think that's it's a great thing that coaches like Carroll on a successful team like Seattle in a big market, that will trickle down. And I think you'll hear a lot more about that in a few years' time. But to bring in that rugby element of training, bringing in former rugby players, for instance, it's a great way of maintaining players' health. And it's a great way of stopping. How many times do you watch an NFL game on a Sunday and players just miss tackles? basically because they are just lunging and throwing themselves at players with the ball. And just briefly on the NBA, Magic Johnson and the Lakers accused of tampering with Paul George. Magic went wink, wink on the Jimmy Kimmel show. You know, he'll say, he says to Jimmy Kimmel that, you know, me and Paul George will just say hello. I won't tell him to come to the Lakers, wink, wink. If Adam Silver sees this, he can't, this is why I think there'll be trouble because he can't see this as a joke. Magic's, Okay, he's half-joking. He needs Paul George. He wants Paul George, but he's half-joking. But Silver sees this as just 
an endorsement of Paul George and tampering. Um, Steve Kerr was on the Dan Patrick show seven years ago and he got fined $10,000. He was the Phoenix Suns general manager at the time. He was asked about LeBron James before he went to Miami. And Steve Kerr was obviously joking when he said, if he'll take the mid-level exception, we'll have him. He's obviously joking, but David Stern, the commissioner at the time, fined him. Magic is obviously joking about Paul George, but you can't see it that way. And the intriguing thing for me here is, what do the Pacers get out of this? So I hope you enjoyed Mark Webster. Great guy, really funny, lots of stories, and that's what I like when people come on. I hope the audience trusts that I will get the right guests on this show because it's all about people coming on and being willing to tell stories. And, and that relationship that people like myself had with Mark and the show, watching the NBA Finals and staying up late in the summers, and having it be a little bit less intense. It wasn't American at all. It was so British the way they did it. Having these shows like Johnny Gold and Josh Chetwin on MLB on 5. Uh, now you've got the evolution with the NFL on Channel and on BBC and Channel 4 before that. It's just an in- interesting conversation. And, I, and we're coming back with the NBA now, I feel. BT Sport have to improve that coverage. Um, terrestrial TV, will there be a comeback? Who knows? Um, But if you like what you heard, please head to iTunes, dig out the US Sports Podcast with Max Whittle, subscribe, leave a review, and please tell your friends about the show. Spread the word. I'm on Twitter at Max underscore Whittle, two T's, one L. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games, and I will speak to you very soon.